Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's rightfully so been a lot of publicity around visiting restrictions and the difficulties of getting the care that you were maybe hoping for during COVID. What I think is really important is to let women know that essentially midwives are there to protect you. We're here to keep you safe. We're in the job because we love you. We want to honor you and empower you and give you an experience that's joyful and safe and empathetic and compassionate. So. Although, yes, there's a lot of scary coverage, I, I just want all your listeners to know that the midwives are still there at the end of the day and we'll do our best for you. Welcome to Honesty Box, where we find the answers to the questions you thought were off limits. Hello everyone and welcome to Honesty Box at the Balance Club where we ask the questions that you want the answers to. No judgment and no topic is off limits. If you'd like to submit your own question you can do so anonymously at www.thebalance.club. Just click on the podcast option and a question box will pop up for you. Each week here on Honesty Box we take one of your questions and pose it to an expert. Well this week our expert is Leah Hazard. Leah is a serving NHS midwife and a published author. Having first studied literature at Harvard, she left a career in television to pursue her lifelong interest in women's health after the birth of her first daughter. She soon began working as a doula, supporting women in pregnancy and attending numerous births in homes and hospitals across the country. The birth of Leah's second daughter prompted her to make the leap into midwifery. Since qualifying, she's worked in numerous areas of NHS maternity services, including antenatal clinics, triage units and labour wards, where she's delivered countless babies. Her job is the inspiration behind her podcast series, What the Midwife Said, and also the source of her Sunday Times best-selling memoir, Hard Pushed, A Midwife's Story, which is available to buy now. Leah, thank you so much for joining us. Our question from the Honesty Box today is, can you share the honest truth about childbirth and the time after childbirth when it comes to pain and your body's recovery and what to expect? Well... For most people, yes, I'm not going to lie. I always say, yeah, it's a bit stingy. It does nip. Um, but everybody's definition of pain is different. Everybody feels pain in a different way. Um, some people have no problem with feeling pain. Some people want to avoid it at all costs. Other people describe the sensation of childbirth and contractions as just overwhelming or all consuming and not just painful. Um, but, but pain is sort of multi-dimensional and um, is different for everyone. So how then can we sort of prepare women who are thinking about getting pregnant, are already pregnant? How do we prepare, how do you prepare women for that experience, 
given that it could be anything to anybody? That's a really good question. And I used to work in a midwife-led birthing unit. And part of my job there was to do parent craft classes or antenatal classes. So that was the question, which was how to prepare women for birth over, I think we had uh, six sessions in each course. And it was really challenging. At the start of the course, I thought, yeah, I'm going to be sort of the best teacher ever. And my women are going to be more prepared than any women ever. And uh, it's not that simple because just in the same way that labor is different for everyone, everybody has different expectations about how they want to learn, what they want to learn, how much they want to know and in what capacity. And it's a really fine balance for midwives between being very honest about what will happen and what could happen and how your expectations may or may not be met and still leaving people feeling empowered and positive and not terrified because you want to be able to go into the experience with your eyes open but not you know completely apprehensive about what's to come so it is it's really difficult it's a balance of information and empowerment and also just being receptive to what each woman wants to know. I think that's really interesting you said that because after the birth of my first child I was left furious at womankind like genuinely that was my overriding emotion after childbirth I felt like I'd been left out of a big secret that only once I had a child did everyone go oh yeah 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 that it can be like that and I was like where were you before I had a baby like this is the information I wanted but I recognizing myself that I'm this person I was like I want it all tell me absolutely everything tell me worst case scenario and then I can go on from there whereas I've got friends and family who are like just tell me the bare bones and I will I will get you know I'll get to the end whichever way it comes and I think it's difficult for women going out and trying to seek information to draw that balance between horror story reality possible outcome what advice would you give to women who are like okay you know my future holds kids in it where where should they start well it's it's again an excellent question and it's all about first of all looking at yourself and looking at how you tend to take information in and in what ways is that positive and constructive for you and in what ways does that become scary and overwhelming so do you find it overwhelming and scary for example to even glance at uh you know something like mumsnet forum for 10 minutes or do you find that actually really interesting to look at what other people are saying and you want as much information as possible do you find it um totally fine and easy to watch kind of medical programs on the telly and scenes of surgery and blood and guts and all the rest of it or do you find that completely off-putting and horrendous and so if you already look at your own cues to how you take in information in everyday life maybe that can help you figure out what you want from your antenatal education so you may find it really helpful um to you know like you said have a, a warts and all completely comprehensive no holds barred viewed of what might happen if if that's something that you're generally fine with or if you know that you're quite sensitive and quite suggestible and quite anxious about things then maybe you have to be a little bit more selective about your sources of information you might not find it that helpful to be doom scrolling through the internet for hours and hours on end even though that's tempting especially now that we've all got so much time on our hands at home um but you have to look at it within yourself, I think, first to say, okay, what information is going to be A, helpful for me and B, positive for me, and then take it from there. And also, 
obviously if you have a partner do that in conjunction with your partner as well because he or she might also have their own concerns about what kind of information they want and what they're comfortable with there's obviously there's a lot of information out there about the actual point the actual the pushing of a baby out I don't think we need to rehash over that what I think is interesting here is they're talking about afterwards and the recovery let's talk about the 24 hours after the point at which you're handed your baby what is happening to your body well your body is amazing so regardless of your mode of delivery or what happened in your birth your body from the minute your baby has left it is already healing itself rejuvenating itself having a massive shift in hormones and going into what's often called the fourth trimester which is really this part of the kind of mothering year that people don't often talk about in as much detail as they do the sort of really exciting bits leading up to baby's birth um so if you've had uh vaginal delivery um you may or may not have had some stitches down below so you'll be dealing with that um your uterus is trying to contract down to pre-pregnancy size and that means you'll have some bleeding um, and some cramping you may or may not be completely exhausted depending on the length of your labor so you're just trying to kind of pick yourself up from that and also emotionally you're having a huge probably the most um fundamental shift in your emotions and your identity and your hormones that you'll ever have in your life and now a lot of that will be happening if you've had a cesarean section as well I should say or a forceps delivery but if you have had an instrumental or surgical delivery you also then will be dealing with the aftermath of that so having had major surgery is a huge recuperative process at the best of times um, but if you've also just produced a baby from that surgery then it's it's doubly difficult and you might be dealing with things like mobilizing after an epidural or spinal anesthetic you might still have a catheter and um, you might be on quite significant pain relief medications and um, you might need a bit more assistance with things like um, lifting and holding your baby, uh, feeding in whatever way you choose. Um, and you, you might just logistically speaking, you might, if you've given birth in a hospital, be transferred to another ward, you'd be familiarizing yourself with that environment. So there's a lot going on. It's a very, very busy time physiologically and emotionally for you, your body and your brain. So if we were to take the most simple inverted commas birth, um, you know, zero complications, zero medical inf- intervention, you know, a textbook birth. What would you say was the time period for a woman to recover, for no longer to be feeling pain, for you, I guess, for you to, to feel physically back to a state of, again, inverted commas, normality? Yeah, so a lot of people talk about the new normal after childbirth. In a sense, you'll probably never feel quite the way you did before you had a baby. And that's a really scary thing to think about, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a negative thing. It's just a new thing. It's an evolution in who you are physically, emotionally, spiritually, as a person um, in your relationship. And that will take a lot of time to shake out. So, you know, if we're talking about the immediate postnatal period, um, you know, you may feel completely elated. Uh, you may feel euphoric, you may feel triumphant, or even if you've had, as you say, a totally textbook, uncomplicated, unmedicated vaginal birth, you may feel traumatized, you may feel exhausted, you may feel disappointed, confused, angry. So what what's euphoric for one woman can also be traumatic for another. Um, there's a lot to do with the birth apart from just 
whether that baby came out of your vagina or your abdomen or whether you had drugs or you didn't. So in terms of recovery, I mean, again, great question. Again, sorry to be like a broken record, but it's different for everyone. Um, And if you want to talk about, you know, when will you be recovered? I mean, I don't know. I think it's important not to rush that too much. I think it's important not to have um, high expectations of ourselves, our bodies, our relationships. And it's okay if you don't feel like yourself for a year. It's okay if you feel like yourself after a day, you know, and that will be different for everyone. I mean, for me personally, I had a really difficult first birth. Um, Things didn't go so well before, during or afterwards, to be honest. Um, I don't think I really felt recovered as such or even capable of, sort of living my daily life on an even keel for many months to come whereas my second birth was much more straightforward completely different and I felt amazing the next morning so you know that just in a nutshell goes to show how how different that journey can be. I guess as women we can be quite guilty of putting expectations on ourselves but a pregnancy is nine months long it's taken nine months to get to the point of birth and then once that's over we can I know I certainly did certainly with my first anyway being like right well that's birth done so now it's mother mode now it's like up I get it's you know this is what I do now and actually hold on we you know my body's changed slowly yes over nine months then we've gone through this you know huge physical feat but somehow it feels like that next stage like you say that fourth trimester isn't really spoken about it all then becomes the baby's here the baby's here and which is obviously the point and wonderful but also there is a moment of what about you yeah there's a big moment of what about you and if it's you know if it's yourself you're thinking what about me (laughs) all the time you know and it's not unusual to think what have I done or even have I ruined my life have I ruined my relationship have I destroyed my body forever and I think these are normal questions to ask and I think these are important questions to ask because if we don't ask them we're kind of repressing something that's going to rear its head at some point um but you're right it's not something we talk about an awful lot and you know if we say to women during pregnancy well afterwards your belly's going to look like a burst balloon for probably the better part of six months and you might bleed on and off for you know over a month and um you know you might have night sweats and leaky boobs and you might hate your partner and you might not sleep properly for the best part of a year you know all these things that you know there's a discussion to have about whether or not that's positive and helpful as we were saying earlier Yes, we should be honest um, and yes, we shouldn't pretend that it's all kind of sunshine and roses and snapping back and all the rest of it, but we, we don't want to terrify people either. So um, I think regardless of your preparation, that fourth trimester can come as a shock and the best we can do is be honest with ourselves and each other about that. Medically, a fourth trimester, is 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 there a time frame for that? Is the fourth trimester considered another three months or is it a sort of extendable term? <laughs> Well, it's interesting. The fourth trimester is just kind of a colloquial term that's come about and it's not really a recognised clinical thing, to be honest. Um, We have the stages of birth. We have sort of early labour, active labour, second stage, and third stage is the delivery of the placenta and the membranes. And then it's just the postnatal period. There's um, There's no sort of technical definition of when you stop being postnatal or a new mum and in our culture and in this country 
quite often we sort of hang our hat on the six-week check, this sort of mythical time when you go and see your GP and he or she says, yes, you are fine, you may now proceed um, in your life as a mother, here's your birth control, um, your child is fine, off you go, do it again. And that that's not incredibly helpful, I think, to sort of use that as a landmark in that journey because obviously your time as a new mother and your... Um, as we were saying, recovery and the evolution of your identity, those things don't stop at six weeks and just become magically fine. That continues. So yeah, I mean, the fourth trimester, you could say it lasts for the rest of your life as a mother in some ways. I mean, we're, we're constantly changing and learning and growing. I can't imagine there is a doctor in this land that has conducted one of those six-week checks where they have to bring up the question of birth control and they haven't had a woman kind of scoff at them. I just, I just, when that when that first happened to me, I, oh, you must be joking. Like, I am still asking my husband to look at my stitches with a torch. How could you possibly think that there is going to be any action happening? But it's said with such a deadpan face that you think oh my god everyone else is having sex at six weeks what am i what am i doing wrong something's wrong with me well you'd be surprised i mean it's an interesting question um certainly as a midwife i've worked in the postnatal ward for a while and part of our discharge chat as we call it is to discuss contraception and that's even before you've left the hospital and you know what I used to say is you know everybody's different and um, this might be the last thing on your mind but just keep in the back of your mind what you might use for contraception if you did find yourself in that situation unless you're fine with coming back in nine months time and if you are great come and see us but most people really aren't so even although you might think at that moment of you know putting baby in the car seat and walking out the hospital doors, I am never letting him near me again, you know, things happen. And also it's important to point out that not all women are in control of their sex lives. Um, some women, even in a steady relationship, don't always get to choose exactly when or how they have sex. Um, so that conversation with the midwife might be the last or only time that that woman gets to have some control over her reproductive life moving forwards. So it is something to flag up. And many women do kind of scoff and go, ah, ha, 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 not me. And then they're back at the booking clinic in three or four months time. So, you know, we understand that it's not a, a realistic prospect for a lot of people. But for some women, it's a very important thing to think about. And it's, it's part of our duty as professionals to flag that up to you. And I guess that just goes further then, doesn't it, to prove the point that absolutely everybody is different and there is just no, you're going to feel like this at this stage, then you're going to feel like this at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. And and some women might, you know, find themselves in an intimate situation um, two weeks after birth and some women might not find themselves in that situation for, you know, a year down the line and it, it, it doesn't matter, it's absolutely fine, it's different for everyone. Let's talk a little bit. I know um, someone advocating for you during birth is something that's spoken about quite widely when we when we talk about um, planning for your birth. What about at someone who advocates for you post birth? That strange sort of time where every single person wants to come and see you, or you know you're expected to come to the park and have tea with so and so. And I'm not suggesting it should be your partner because I'm not always, you know, they're in it with you. They really are. Um, you know, is there something to be said for having someone who's like, no, do you know what? Alex looks absolutely frazzled. I'm I'm taking your phones off you. You guys are on lockdown now. God, we shouldn't use that phrase at the moment, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, 
do you think that there should be more of that encouragement to have an advocate post birth? Yeah, I think it's an important point and it's it is a really vulnerable time i think for a lot of people their partner will be able to hold that space for them and and quite often partners are looking for a useful thing to do you know a lot of um dads and new partners will say i feel like i can't do anything i feel a bit useless you know she's feeding the baby or she's getting up at night what can i do and sometimes it can actually be quite helpful to say to the partner well you know that's your role now is to hold that space and protect that space and look after her when she might not be aware of her own limits and boundaries um, but, it, it, you know, if, as you say, at the same time, that's maybe a bit too much for the partner to take on and they're feeling quite vulnerable as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for a, a friend or a relative or um, someone you trust just being that sort of go to person to keep an eye on you and to um, kind of, I don't want to say police that space, but just to sort of um keep an eye on your boundaries for you so that you're not sort of overstretching yourself. I mean, at the moment, as you say, lockdown, many of us are in sort of some form of it one way or another. Um, and for some women, it's been interesting looking back on women's experiences of, of new parenthood in this year, because some people have said, actually, it's been a great excuse not to have all the visitors or, you know, the people constantly wanted to come in and scrutinize the baby and look at me and watch me breastfeeding or not breastfeeding as the case may be. Well, other people have said, you know, it's been really isolating and I wish I could have somebody over to the house or go and see my mum or whatever. So um, again, it's individual for everyone. But but yes, if you think that um, it's maybe going to be a struggle for you to advocate for your own limitations and boundaries after birth, then it's a good idea to maybe, you know, think about somebody that you can ask to do that for you. I think there is that... I didn't feel like myself after birth. I'm sure a lot of women would, would, would say the same because of hormones, which is just something... I know it's a word that's bounded around quite easily, but I just was not prepared for it and it was the only I know people bound around advice so much when people have babies and most of it I let wash over me and the only text message I remember and the one now that I send to friends who have babies and it's it's really simple it's like on day three your milk is going to come in and you are going to feel like a completely different person and you're going to think you've lost the plot I mean, I promise you, you haven't lost the plot, like it fades. I mean, obviously it might not fade, but I said, you know, it was a real peak for me. And I was like, I have, I have lost my mind. I have like, this is, and I, it was terrifying for me. But I, that one person sent me a message going, people don't tell you this, day three, your milk comes in and you're, it's going to be an out of body experience and just, just let it happen and let it pass. And that is the only piece of advice I now send to people because you can say all you like about this will help them sleep, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's different. But that is one thing that I just think hormones it's like my goodness they are powerful hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So powerful, and I think in today's world, as kind of modern, empowered women, we don't really like to think that hormones have that much of an influence over our behavior. You know, if somebody says to you, if you get upset and somebody says, oh, are you on your period? It's like the worst kind of most triggering thing anyone could say, certainly to me, and I think to most other women. But there's no denying that, you know, when we are new mums, we're, we are animals on some level, you know, there are primitive, basic physiological processes that are happening in us that are undeniable and unstoppable. And yes, one of those things is um, this this process of your milk coming in day three or four, it, regardless of whether you're actually breastfeeding or not, you know, most women will find that to some degree they become engorged, they maybe um, feel a bit sort of... Um, a bit of an emotional crash, all that oxytocin high that you felt at birth possibly or in the moments afterwards is now subsiding. You're probably exhausted because you've probably hardly slept for three nights. And babies are programmed to feed a lot in the first two or three nights because um, they've evolved to know that they have to put on you know, more weight and survive and maintain their body temperature and drink and drink and drink and drink and drink. So your baby's been keeping you awake and all of this conspires to leads to an almighty crash round about day three, four for a lot of women. And although we might like to think we're these kind of modern, sophisticated people who can just sail through that, uh, we have to kind of honour and respect that, that that is the way that we've evolved to, to react at that time. And it's really important to recognise that and give yourself space. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had your two babies before you trained to be a doula and then a midwife. Have you found yourself... Hardened's not the wrong word, but obviously you, you, it becomes a job, so you have to have an element of professionalism that keeps you, guards yourself, protects yourself, and helps you keep that professionalism when you're in the moment. How, you know, if you were, I'm not saying you are, but if you were to go and have a third baby, how would you do it differently now to how you did your first and your second? Well, thank you very much. I think I'm past that now <laughs> in many ways, physically, emotionally and the rest. Um, how would I do it differently? I think, you know, I don't think I would do it differently at all, actually, to be honest. So um, my first birth, uh, so she's nearly 18 now and I, I was nowhere near being a doula or a midwife. It was quite challenging. In a lot of ways, it was sort of classic rubbish first birth, unfortunately. It seems to be a thing that so many of us seem to have this awful experience before we can actually have the birth that, that we want or hoped for the first time around um and then with my second birth um we had planned a home birth and it just happened much much quicker than I even had planned it I my waters broke I labored for about an hour and a half um home birth midwife didn't make it paramedics arrived at the last minute husband caught the baby all was well um and actually for me that was such a different healing experience and so euphoric and so amazing and empowering in every way that uh, I, I wouldn't have changed it for the world don't think I could top it actually to be honest isn't that funny you and I have had exactly the same I had a very traumatic first birth hospitalized you know the, everything going second one was an accidental home birth um, although there was crowds of thousands because there was three paramedics three midwives my mum my dad my husband um, but equally whilst at the time I would have done anything to be in the hospital or the sanctuary that I knew looking back there's nothing I would change about it it was 
hilarious but also amazing because it just gave me back the power that I thought I didn't have the first time round. Um, but it, it again, it reads the pattern of first one difficult, second one not. So for those people who are listening to this who are heading into their first birth, it's not always that way, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not always that way. Although I will say that that's probably the main reason why I became a midwife, actually, because after I had my first child... You know, I was going to all the mum groups back in the day when we were allowed to do that kind of thing um, and sort of mother and baby cinema and massage and all the rest of these kind of things that we do. And almost to a woman, everybody that I met had had a kind of rubbish experience as well. And I started thinking, this is, you know, this is a national tragedy. <laughs> Why is it like this for so many women? You know, it shouldn't be this way. And so I started thinking then about why that was the case was it something wrong with us was it the system that was letting us down was it the care we'd received and I came kind of consumed by those questions and that was really I guess what set me on the road to becoming a midwife um because I thought you know if I can even just save some women from having this horrendous first experience and just skip to the good bit as it were and have a, a positive empowering birth whether it's a section or a vaginal birth or whatever um, then I will have done my job and, and done some good in the world and um, it's not always the case that your first birth has to be traumatic or horrendous by any means. And I've looked after many, many women having their, their first babies who've had a really fantastic experience. But um, it's different. It is different because I think, you know, it's the first time your body has done this, obviously. So it's sort of an un untested machine in that way. Um, not that women are machines, but it's an un untested um, body and it's hard to know what your preferences are, even if you've been to all the classes and written a birth plan, you know, it's it, in many ways impossible to plan for what you'll want or choose in labour because you don't know what it's going to feel like or how things will unfold. And so there's a lot that you're dealing with in your first birth that by the time you have your second baby, if you do have a second baby, you've you've kind of sussed out or at least you know what you don't want. Um, so first birth does have that extra element of the unknown to it. But yeah, of course, you could have a fantastic first birth. Before we go, are there any falsehoods that you've heard in your time as a midwife that you would like to correct now here on this podcast to anyone who's listening? Well, thank you. That's a great question. And I think, I mean, I know that this is kind of a lighthearted chat and I don't want to make it too serious, but I think this is actually a really, really timely question. I think given what's happened this year in the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of quite scary and quite negative coverage in the media about what the experience of giving birth can be like just now. And yes, many women have had a difficult time. Um, there's rightfully so been a lot of publicity around visiting restrictions and the difficulties of getting the care that you were maybe hoping for during COVID. Um, there have been lots of um, articles and sort of stories about um, various maternity reports that are coming out um, where there have been failings and there have been bad outcomes for mothers and babies. And so there, basically midwifery has had a lot of bad press this year. And while it's really important to validate and honour the pain and the struggle that a lot of women have been through at this really difficult time, what I think is really important is to let women know that essentially midwives are there to protect you. We're here to keep you safe. 
We're in the job because we love you. We want to honor you and empower you and give you an experience that's joyful and safe and empathetic and compassionate. And um, yes, there will always be instances where things don't go well. Sometimes that's not really within our control. Sometimes we're working in a system that doesn't really honor or protect us either. But um, I appreciate you asking that question because I really just want to reiterate to all the women listening that um, we're still here and uh, our love and compassion and dedication to you doesn't change, even although sometimes if you look at kind of Twitter and, you know, news stories and so on, it seems like um, that might be the case. So although, yes, there's a lot of scary coverage, I, I just want all your listeners to know that the midwives are still there at the end of the day and we'll do our best for you. That seems like a fantastic place to sort of stop and leave it on, an, on a positive note. Leah, thank you so much for joining Honesty Box today and imparting your wisdom and comforting words to our listeners. And for anyone out there with a due date on the calendar, good luck and I hope it goes wonderfully. Thank you all and see you next week. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 